Welcome to the Futurology Show, um, and I'm so happy to say that uh, I have B2 back with me. Hello. Hey, how's how it, are you doing? I forgot what you look like. Oh, man. You didn't forget what I sound like. Uh, no, you? I definitely didn't forget what you sounded like. No, but you replaced me last week with another Brett. I know, but that was our whole idea, and you weren't here. Oh, sorry, bro. Hey, we tried for that Brett threesome, and you just didn't make it. Tired is tired. Yeah, uh, well, that's what, uh, that's you what guys, we man. always hear when we, we're trying to get threesomes. So... We'll talk about where you were last week a little bit later on in the show, but um, to keep things um, as they are and as they always are, I'm going to start off with the app of the week. In fact, before I get to the app of the week, when we sat down, I said to you, you know, I've like redone the whole seating arrangement inside the studio. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't personal. It wasn't because you, you smell bad. You further away from you. Yeah, I'll be, there we go. I smell pretty, man. What are you talking about? You actually about? do smell good, Brett. But um, the, the reason I mentioned that, I don't know if you saw in Digital Buzz this week that Nivea have come up with a thing called the smell case so it's like a case that you put on your phone and then you download the app and um it tells you if you smell or not that could, so go, you, that could go one or two ways i suppose well so. i mean can you imagine that to someone like you scan them with your phone oops okay not going there tonight it's not personal but you just stink yeah okay. <laughs> maybe that'll my, be the message app, that comes through <laughs> if you guys want to join in on uh, on the chat today the number is is 0861555189 or you can get us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com, Facebook, Cliff Central, or WeChat. Um, I'd, we do have some guests in the studio today, but before we get to them, let's go to the app of the week. And the one that I found today is called Taxi Later. Now, last week, I don't know if you listened to the podcast, and don't answer that because it might upset me if you say no, but we were talking about Uber. And... Um, uh, you know, and the pros and, and, and the, the, the strife that these guys are going through. So, Taxi Later is incredible. Um, see, I didn't say awesome. Basically, what it what it does is it lets you schedule an Uber ride. So, to either be collected, like on the way out, or when you lack a chaseip and you, you know, you, you can kind of get yourself out of the club, but you can't really remember how to log into your app. You've already rescheduled or pre-scheduled. I think I've had that problem with you in the past as well. I'm like, oh yeah, I've got your Uber. Oh, man, I keep forgetting. You order another pint while you wait for an Uber and then... It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, but now you don't have that choice because... Obviously, the way Uber works, when the guy approaches, he phones you and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be sitting there going, oh, lacquer, and then all of a sudden your phone rings. But I just thought that was someone's actually sat down and, and thought about the one thing that Uber wasn't doing. I mean, if you, you know, they do so much. But um, so it's called Taxi Later. I think it's available on, on both uh, platforms. Staying with Uber, they were in the week this news. The, 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 the week this week this news. Nice. <laughs> I like it when I'm in the week this news. Uh, boom. So anyway, staying with Uber, if you're in Joburg, they have a thing called Uber Green. Yeah. It's electric cars. Uh, not, a now, mo- not a moped, because that would be no. good. Um, I think they did the deal with, if I remember reading, was BMW and nice. Nissan. And the i yeah, the R8 and then the Nissan, I think it's Leaf is theirs. Yeah. So you can get an electric car. Um, yeah. They say they're doing it at the Uber X rate, so you're not paying more, but you are working towards saving the environment, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, big up to Uber. Um, I mean, it's, it's nice to see that guys are starting to embrace electric. And I think what's important, and maybe that's obviously where the marketing is coming behind it, is that South Africans are petrol heads. In fact, most of us are now diesel heads. It's torque, it's turbos. And no one wants to really buy an electric car. It's like buying a Prius. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's good for the environment, but when you look at it, mm, it's not really 
a car. Not pretty, no. So this might actually give you a chance to experience an electric car and see that, you know, they're not that sluggish. I mean, that BMW is actually quite impressive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about the little one. I think there's two in the range. There's the i8, which is that yeah, supercar. Yeah, like, little... It's like a square-looking thing. Yeah. Looking thing, yeah. I've seen one or two of them driving around. In fact, in Melrose, they get their own parkings. Oh, really? Like if BMW drivers weren't pricks enough. <sighs> Oops, sorry, BMW, but I mean, really, they drive and now they have their own parkings at uh, uh, one of at our guests has just left oh, oh gee damn okay well it's better than brett who well, drives an b3 bomber bomber audi so well, in the uk i was driving around i mean all the service stations you pull in for like very expensive fuel yeah um, it is but they've got they've got tesla charging points now really yeah so i pulled through i was like oh wow look there's a did tesla. you pay for it though was it free I, i'm sure you know you pay for everything in the uk yeah okay yeah because i think i don't i stand corrected but i think in san francisco on the electric um parking charges they're actually free i think they're part of your metered parking but okay. if you're driving electric and you choose that bay you can plug in and, and charge up anyway so well done uber and uh, guys yeah i think it goes up until june so if you are in uh, in gauteng um look out for it then we love vr brett yes we, we do we are working on, okay. on lots of vr yay yeah so we love vr so um what I came across this week, which I thought was really awesome, um, there's a company called Live Nation, and they're going to start putting people with VR filming technology into concerts. So you can actually stand in the crowd and watch the concert. I mean, that's pretty sick. Cool. Um, you know, first of all, in the States, there are so many concerts to choose from. It's, a, it's in America at the moment. I don't know if we're getting it here. Um, but now you don't have to worry about it. It's on demand. It's, it's a subscription model, so you'll pay to see the concert. So it's not like you're going to get a free concert. But you can now actually watch it as if you were standing there without those sweaty bodies. Oh, Nivea app. I mean, that would yeah. work well there. Oh, sorry, Brie, back off. Uh, you really aren't you great. You look like you smell. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where VR is today, or rather this last week. Um, I came up with a really very, very cool find. So it's called Datto Drive. Now, as you know, Gartner is one of our partners. And um, they did an article uh, on, on this company called Datto. It's D-A-T-T-O, and it's called Datto Drive. Um, what they do is they offer you a terabyte of data for free in the cloud for the first year. Okay, oh, so that's you, nice of them. one terabyte unlimited storage. But here's where the kicker is, where it's different yeah, from you, your Dropboxes. No, this is this is the this is the beautiful part about it. That's what I'm talking about. And, it's, and because Gartner is involved as well, mm-hmm. we kind of know there's some checks and balances yeah. there. But they they allow multiple access points. So like you know how you have Dropbox and I have Dropbox, and then if my Dropbox is full, you can't send me stuff. This is a terabyte. So for small businesses. You create one account, you put your stuff in the cloud, and everyone can log in and share, which I think is excellent. And then their That's model, cool. because you know it's that dependency model. It's like it's like drugs. Like they yeah. get us on stuff, and they go, "Oh, now it's only nine ninety nine. You didn't know you wanted that until you started using it. Correct. Oh, you can't do that. Correct. That's good. But even that, I think they've been they've been reasonable. They will start charging after a year ten dollars per terabyte per month. Still the same user access. So it's not per user. Good. It's just a terabyte for $10, which I think is really reasonable. And anyone's had a, a, a crashed drive um, will know that putting your stuff in the cloud, it, it makes sense. For 10 bucks. it's nothing bad. Um, What's the recourse if you put a terabyte worth of stuff in there for free? Yeah. And then you lose a terabyte's worth of stuff. Like you can't shout at them because you didn't pay for it. That's actually a bloody just, good question. Just wondering. I'm taking um, the, what's it, Lady Lives, Candace, Doctor Doom's approach to this. Like, that's actually what, a bloody good what question. What would you do? So if anyone out there knows what the recourse is on cloud servers dropping you. The better you, um, more you own, the better you have. Yeah. Huh. 
Interesting, though. We'll see how that works. Okay, so like two more quick things before we get to our guests. Apple didn't have a good week. Um, their quarter what? results came out. Samsung has taken the lead again in the States. But SE is um, not working for them then. Yeah, but well, you like it. I only like it I because mean, of the size. I mean, you're excited because of the size. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they, they caught it, but that doesn't, SE I don't think affects. That hopefully will change things around for them going into the next quarter. But more importantly, this was quite a funny one. They lost the rights to the exclusive use of the word iPhone in China. What? <laughs> so there's a company in China that makes, ironically, phone cases, laptop bags, iPad bags. They're like really, really cool products. I looked at their website. It's like good quality leather, um, really stylish looking pouches, but they call them iPhone and they have done before Apple had made a firm commitment to start oh, selling wow. the iPhone in China. So the courts ruled in this other company's name. Um, iPhone's still allowed to be sold as a registered trademark, blah, 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 but it's not exclusive and they can't stop these guys. So, I mean, now if you do a Google search or anything like that, iPhone. iPhone's got a longer history, uh, as in the case. And they, they might have a few more devices out, maybe. Yeah, well, but, <laughs> they maybe. Got, but the thing is that they supplied things to Androids as well. Their cases go to Windows machines. So no, it was yeah. quite interesting. So I mean, Apple, sorry guys, you had a, a bit of a bad week. But to make you feel better, uh, I have to breathe. I try and love Microsoft. I do. I wake up in the morning. I'm thankful I'm alive. I get out of bed. I go to gym. And on the way there, I go, I'm really not going to get upset about taxis. And I'm going to try and love Microsoft. And then they do shit like this. So they've made an announcement that they're going to stop the free upgrade of Windows 10 on July 29th or something. I don't know when it is. So anyone you can't out say there, you didn't see that coming. No, but here's the thing. It is free already. You can go and upgrade it now. It's free. So that you don't moan about it. It's exactly what I said earlier. If you why? get it free, you can't moan about but, it. But why? Like, okay, if you've ever put an app into the App Store and it was free, you can't make it paid. You have to do a whole new package build and stick it back into the store but if because someone else got can. it for free. Mm. Yeah. Well, guys, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Really so you're welcome to phone in as well and tell me what your thinking was. I know you won't, um, but yeah, you really. I'm sure they really have a power, I'm sure they have a PowerPoint presentation we can read. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I can still open PowerPoint, but I mean, it's just and it's 119 dollars as well. So that's like saying, please pirate my software. Yeah. I or mean, the, or I think use Remix. I think OS. OS or buy an no, but OS phone. is 29.99. Okay, so it's 30 dollars for Apple, 120 dollars for um. For Microsoft or Windows 10 or whatever. And I mean, we all know it will be like 11 and 12 and 73 within a month anyway. Anyway, so enough bashing of Microsoft. Rant, rant, rant. Um, let's go to the fun stuff. So we've got two guests here today. We have Francois from Pocket Slip and Renier from Nedbank sitting with us. How's it, guys? How's it, how's it Red Run? Red 2? There we Hello. go. There we've coached well, huh? How's it, gentlemen? How's it cool. going? So on the left we've got Francois from Pocket Slips. Um, not that the left matters. I was going to say who the hell can, can see we the just left. Quick, let's quickly pan him left so everybody knows. That. So Francois, let everybody know your voice. This is Francois. Hey, how's it, guys? So there you're from go. Pocket Slip. That's correct. Cool. Tell us a little bit about Pocket Slip. Yeah. So Pocket Slip elevator pitch. What we do is digital receipting. So we feel that the future of retail is paperless. You'll see if you. Let me ask you the question. Yep. Uh, you B1 or B2? B2. I can't recall B2. <laughs> Jeez, like I'm about to find that night button. Hey? <laughs> when you withdraw money at an ATM, yes. do you keep that little paper receipt or you chuck no, it away? Don't even take it. But why don't you? Well, most of the time the machines probably run out of paper, so you don't get it anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I don't really see the need in clogging my wallet up with 
Hundred percent, so. and you've got a digital vault on your, you know, your my banking. SMS goes anyway. Hundred yeah. percent, and you can just log onto your internet banking and withdraw a transaction. Correct. So the question begs: Is why are retailers still producing paper? And we've, we've come to say, listen, you know, there's better tech in retailers in any case than what banks use in ATM. You would, wouldn't believe it. Um, they run on Microsoft B1. Um, <laughs> so, so you know what? <laughs> I've just got, <laughs> to, I've got to, I've actually just got to jump in there as well. Okay. Um, it's not that I hate. In fact, I'm an Apple user. So we're quite happy to play nicely with everyone, but everyone's not always nicely to, happy to play nicely with us. It's just when they do stupid things. That's the part, like killing the Nokia brand, you know, and then coming out with Lumia and if, oh, okay, back to Yeah, no, no, look, I'm, I mean, I, I'm seeing the same movie. I, I had a Lumia before I drank the Apple Kool-Aid, so. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to but, the trial. Uh, oh, the Mac revolution is almost complete. <laughs> the dark side, we have cookies. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, you know, the question begs, that if, if, if the whole world's going paperless, you know, why are we still producing paper in, in the 21st century? Well, we're going cashless as well. So. 100%. We're going cardless, you know, um, cashless. You just spoke about Uber. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I know the Uber 4 tag has been, been run down countlessly in Silicon Valley, but this is kind of like Uber for receipting. Um, okay. We, we build for a purpose, and that's what we do. So we turn the digital receipt, uh, the, the paper receipt digital, um, Renier will, will buddy now and his idea was to the tagline. It's the original, but digital. So okay, cool. next time you go to one of your retailers who supports pocket slip, you also pocket slip at the till and we store your receipt in the cloud for you to, to retrieve whenever you want. Okay. And we, uh, listeners can check it out at pocketslip.com. That's correct. So yeah. If you've got any questions on that, just take a look at it and send us some informed questions. Rich, you got the details there and how people get in touch with us? Um, yeah. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. I do that so well, huh? You do. And then on Twitter, if you guys are on Twitter, drop us a, a line or a question at cliffcentral.com. Hashtag tweet. Futurology. Tweet Twitter. Tweet Twit it. Tweet it. Tweet it to us. Tweet it. Sorry. So one of the things that intrigued me. I mean, I was talking about Uber Green earlier on, and I mean, I'm even starting to see it in South Africa that we are finally becoming conscious of of our environment and Absolutely. that waste. Mm. Um, we were talking off air as well that I go to a restaurant and, you know, the people are just pre-programmed. I give them my credit card. They put it in the machine. I say, I don't need a slip, but they still push the button. Huh. I go to the petrol station. Same thing. Mm. I get this thing and I go crunch, 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 and I throw it on the car seat or whatever or wherever I am. I leave it on the bill. Now, first of all, in a restaurant, leaving my credit card slip in the restaurant is just stupid. I mean, I know <laughs> that, but that's the yeah. thing. So. I love the idea of pocket slip. I like the idea that I have a choice. Should I want to get that? Because I, quite honestly, I don't want to get it. And I think that's one of the, the selling points as well is that you work on a pay-per-use model. So it's the vendor doesn't have to go through these rolls and rolls and rolls of paper, which, hello, Nedbank, you do charge for. Yeah, we do. You see. No, I don't mind mentioning. I know everyone does. It's someone has to pay for yeah, it. Brett, I think it's also that we saw the potential opportunity from an innovation partnership to say that Nedbank can be innovation, innovative in this world. Um, there's big potential. We've thrown our weight behind the guys from PocketSlip to assist and help them. Um, we used our, let's say, our IT skill sets and security especially to ensure that these guys can be can store data safely. Yeah. They've checked the right boxes. Um, from a green perspective, it all makes sense with NetBank going green. Um, there's no paper. We're saving trees. We're saving the merchants money. And there's a lot more that we can do ultimately when you're in that digital receipt world. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. I came across some technology in the States a few years ago where people were crushing, you know, this whole 
big data that we always talk about. But guys are taking the data of, of the consumer's behavior, looking at it and making offers or loyalty or rewards that were relevant to his or her consumption patterns. Now, privacy issues aside, because obviously there's terms and conditions and people acknowledge the fact that if they're using pocket slip, they realize that certain data is going to be analyzed. I'm all for that. I'd like you to send me information that's relevant to my shopping. Is that something that Pocket Slip is doing or is, is that one of the reasons behind it? Because it is. it has to be more than just a receipt. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah, to your point and to Renew's point as well. I mean, the big data aspect and that's one of the large value propositions that we work on for, for the consumer. I mean, the consumer today, you know, likes instant gratification. He likes tech. He, you know, if you think about the people listening to your show, I'm sure people enjoy having something instantly, having, you know, pressing a button, getting what they want. And the question is always, you know, I don't own a dog. I own a cat. And so do I. Re- Good so there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so and retailers keep sending me, you know, ads on dog food or on children. I don't yep. have children. You yep. know, it's, it's mm. this shocking approach and people are sick of the marketing. So what we're definitely offering in the future and – like you said, it's an opt-in principle, so the user can choose to have it or not. Um, I'm also someone who shares my data everywhere because I love the fact that people bring offers to me. I'm lazy. Um, and and we definitely what we'll do, and that's a very big value proposition apart from all the others to the consumers, to say we'll partner with the guys and bring you offers on what you have purchased. Mm. So that's relevant to you, and it's stuff that you actually want as opposed to shotgun marketing and just bombing me with, with ads. That's pretty cool. So re- you're pushing relevance on… Absolutely, house, which is all important. Sure. So, seeing you've walked in the founder shoes, um, I mean, that's the sleepless nights. And I and I must say, you you are lucky that you have NetBank behind you because, you know, in the fintech space, and I and I've said it before and here, I had the guys from um, Zappa. Yeah, yeah Zappa, I had the guys yeah. from Zappa, and I started asking the bank question. In fact, B three is Brett Saint Clair, which is Absa Bank. Mm. Sorry. Absolute Ned Bank. Oh, we're agnostic. No, we like to talk to everybody. <laughs> but, um, no, this is Ned Bank's time today. This, this is yeah. where like you mute your mic. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we all know Brett, and he's a great guy. And, you know, he yeah. was saying as well is okay. that you can't really get into banking if you don't wear the school tie. So you've obviously done something that's piqued an interest. So congrats on that. I mean, and Thanks. I mean that sincerely. Thank but, you. The, you know, the, the thing for me is that. I want to be in a position where I'm happy to share my information, but I want you to give me value back for it. It's got to be more. And that's where this whole consumerism exercise that we're facing, you know, is that I'll get the slip. Cool. It's a function. But that that extra value that's coming out of it. So as I said to you, walking in the founder's shoes, you know, before the NetBank deal even, or even after the NetBank deal, where, where the guys got behind you and, you know, it helped you open some doors. And that's it's a double-pronged question. Was it through NetBank that those doors opened? Because the challenge for you is to get to every single merchant. Because at the end of the day, if you're not available in my store that I go to frequently, I'm not going to use you because you're not catering to me. It's that you know, it's that narcissistic attitude that consumers have. So, can you take us through that journey? Um, you know, as to what, how, how did that happen? How did you get out there? Um, you know, where are you? Like, where are the sure. big stores so people can start to actually? Yeah, sure. So, two two pronged um, questions. So, a little bit of history of myself. I'm an investment banker by trade. So, oh, you know, I ditched, <laughs> I ditched the big band world yeah, of banking. Um, <laughs> you know, to pursue my my dream of changing the world and changing how people transact. Um, and yeah, absolute advice if you know if there are prospective 
founders of startups are listening is that, you know, you can read many books and everyone will say the same thing is don't try to be everything to everyone. Yep. Recognize where you need to fill gaps in, in what you can't do. So I'm not the technical co-founder. Reino Kutsia is the technical co-founder and he's a brilliant technical guy. He doesn't like people much, but he's brilliant in what he does. But I love people and I know business and I know banking. So if you are a technical guy, you know, align yourself with a co-founder who's strong business-wise. And if you're a business guy, align yourself with the guys who can back you up technically. So that's the first thing is, you know, that's supplement yourself. Absolutely. And then secondly is, you know, um, don't pitch up at a large corporation with an idea. Large corporations are, are tend to be risk averse. Um, gain traction, graft, bootstrap as much as you can. Come with a story. Come with interest. Come with letter of intent with people who you've spoken to. And if you have something and some traction in the market, larger corporates are, are much more open to listen to you and larger corporates being either a telco or a bank or a tech partner than if you just pitch up with an idea. It gives you much more traction. Um, so up until date, um, I mean, we've, we've signed up uh, quite a few guys on our own. But since partnering with NetBank and the weight that they've thrown behind us, it's it's really skyrocketed. Um, guys who we have who are rolled at nationally are Le Creuset, you know, the pots and pans. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, great partner there from a retail perspective. And um, we've got many, you know, we, we try to tackle the mom and pop stores as well, to your point. Mm. If you go and grab a coffee at a, as an example, our first um, Perfect Cup was the first partner who came on board. It's a little coffee shop in um, – let me guess, Cape Town. <laughs> Actually, locally. Um, oh, no. Sorry, one bang. <laughs> it's in Tyrone Avenue in, in, in Parkhurst. Okay. Um, you know, we try to cover everyone. We speak into the likes of iStore, Vida Ecafe, Build It, um, has committed um, clicks. We, we're probably doing a, a pilot very soon with chatting to the guys. Today, we had a, a great meeting with the guys from Levi and Diesel. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we, we're trying to, to really target all, all market segments. That's really cool. I mean, the fact that you can get – so you guys are getting a really good – insight as to what the trends are in terms of sales i'm assuming you can see a lot more than just the bottom line total from these slips so you start to see what products are trending who's buying what when um that sort of big data starts to help not just banks but all the retailers know sort of good seasons bad seasons are we doing something right are we doing something wrong absolutely and i, and I think that that comes back to to what b1 was saying is you know, you need to be customer-centric in everything yeah. that you do as a startup, as a retailer, as any business today. You've got to think about your product and your customer first. And the more data you have and the more insight you have on what they're thinking, the better the experience can be. And I think I just want to touch on one thing as well. In the app, we've got similar to an Uber. We've got a rating system. Okay. So receipt delivers and you rate the experience. So it's a bit of power in the consumer's hand. And if you want to, you can escalate that and to your point earlier. You can let the retailer know who you are if you're unhappy. Do you know who I am? <laughs> you do. Big Brother is always listening. <laughs> yeah, everything you're saying is it's swan song. And I, and I mean that. It really is refreshing to hear that. I mean, even Thank the you. approach that goes out. Um, why have the retailers not smashed your door down? Brett, you? Yeah, I think it's also, remember, South African markets are very, not just banks are risk averse. To change the way you've been doing things for 10, 20, yeah. 50 years takes a lot of efforts as well. NetBank has assisted opening doors to what we call pilot-friendly merchants that are game to look at new ideas, new concepts. It's taken internally with the NetBank also quite a few number of weeks just to sell the concept internally, get the right governance forums approvals up to a very senior executive level to say, guys, okay, you can go ahead now with these guys. So, Renia, that's a great comment. And, and I mean, I've walked in 
both You've sides. Walked of, the floors, yeah. yeah. I've definitely walked the floors, I, I, and I know exactly what you're saying. Um, is it an integration aspect? So what I mean by that, you know, for people listening that are not necessarily from the banks and the EMV side of it, and that you have these these um, POS machines and EPOS machines that are out there in retail. Um, put card, push number, slip comes out. Now you have to integrate to go into Pocket Slip, which is now an app or a cloud-based server. Is it a big mission? And I'm saying that because if it isn't, then you know the guys listening, hey, reach out. Brett, it's system by system dependent and how much you want to do with that merchant. How much value do you want to add to them, to the consumer? And that's why we, between Pocket Slip and AirPank, we, we created that, let's call it a partnership and say, guys, how do we tackle each client? This, this is not a one-shoe-fits-all type of solution. Each one is unique. Each one needs to be deep-dived. And what we found is once the guys have seen the value, it starts fast-tracking the, the IT implementation side of it. So the approach is usually would have gone to an IT guy and say, guys, this is what we want to do. And not anymore. You're going to the CFOs, the marketing directors, the guys that really are pushing the sales or things like that within the organizations. And the focus is more on how do we get it to work rather than should we get it to work. Correct. Yeah, and it's also fine. It's also the right type of merchant. Yeah. Shotgun doesn't work. Yeah. And, and I mean, to add there, I mean, just, just comes from an earlier question is the, the technical co-founder comes from a point of sale background. Okay. So, um, it was purposefully written and it took a very long time before we went into the market to make this as easy as possible to integrate. So we find it, it's, it's a week or two, three week process. That's not bad though. Yeah. I mean, two, three months is what I would expect yeah. with banking and, you know, and financial integration. 100%. Two, three so weeks is not bad. Absolutely. But I think it's the way that it's been set up. It's very light. So, I mean, not to delve into the absolute technical details, but yeah. we basically just take the information that would have gone to the printer we relayed it into the cloud we connect it to whoever wants the receipt and we build a template to what the retailer wants it to look like and boom you have a digital receipt so we're not reinventing the wheel we're using a lot of what exists and i think to your to your point earlier as well we love partnering we love partnering yeah. like um you know we're not a payment app we're not we agnostic point of sale wise we agnostic retailer wise we just want to be the platform that aggregates digital receipts so we key to partner with people you know from a crm from a payment point of view i i was actually going to get to that question as well um i hate using the word white label and especially yeah. when it comes to fintech because renia i mean we both know that's not even an option when you start looking at nope. payments and going behind walls but you know, is there an API? It, it must be some form of an API anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Obviously, if if I wanted to make, if I wanted to make my pocket slip, um, have my name on and my company's name on powered bar. Absolutely. Is that how it works yeah. at the moment already, or is that Perfect. like a, yeah? To answer your question, so I mean, retailers are also sensitive into the communication that goes out to their clients. So we use existing platforms such as apps, email. Um, you know, it's a multi-delivery. The app is how we prefer to, to talk to a pocket slip user, but we also use email or whatever is existing in the retailer. So we absolutely, in, in quoted brackets, white label the solution and, okay. and use a primary delivery mechanism because that makes sense. But, um, with a caveat that the pocket slip also still lives in the pocket slip environment for the simple reason that if we take 10 seconds now, we can name 30 retailers. You're not going to download 30 apps. 100%. Just to keep you receipting. Yeah, we yeah. need to aggregate that to keep the user in mind. Very cool. Um, we, we, we're going we're gonna to wrap up and have a quick break. Uh, I mean, you guys are, are here, so you're definitely welcome to join us in the next because we're going to be talking about online. But one of the questions I wanted to ask, which would work towards that, is for normal online purchases, in other words, non-brick and mortar, yeah. okay, 
is pocket slip an opportunity, uh, an option, sorry, or are you playing in that space? Without a doubt, yeah, okay. no, definitely. That's the future. And I think, you know, you'll cut off your own knees um, knowing where e-commerce is going and how mm. it's growing, especially in international markets. If, if you don't play in that space, you're not going to be relevant. And, you know, you want all your receipts in one place. Yeah. From the perfect cup in Parkhurst to your TV at Macro or your, you know, your your online purchase on take a lot or wherever yeah so we we definitely will we work with all merchants in whichever format because i think while i was getting there is for those people that are starting to get into e-commerce i mean to get a payment gateway is easy but the admin paper slip invoicing side of it is not absolutely and that's where you know i'm thinking that obviously this for the little guys out there that are sitting with a great e-commerce platform or potential platform yeah now you can offer the back end where the, the paper delivery occurs it's, as well. It's, it's, it's absolutely that. And the thing is that, you know, in today's world with tech, partnership is what it's about. We are experts in what we do. We know the, the law and the legislation around what needs to go into digital receipts. And we take care of that so that the retailer can go and sell his products. And when you think about mobile pause, mm-hmm. the little guy in India or the guy in, you know, rural parts of South Africa selling things off of a mobile pause unit, where is he printing a receipt? And we enable that guy as well on the street that That's doesn't fantastic. carry around a printer to also send you a receipt and, and comply in that way. That's excellent. Fantastic. And you're not just saving space in people's wallets. You're actually helping them with taxes as well. And that's Absolutely. something we can talk about when Absolutely. we come back out of the, sure. the track. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Guys, thank you very much. I said, please, you hear no, no. your mics here. So we're going to go into e-commerce now as well. We've got uh, Simon Lips phoning in from, from Cape Town. Um, but yeah, let's have a quick break and just quickly regroup. This is CliffCentral.com. Well, we are back. Um, for those that uh, have missed the first part of the show, why? Where were you? Bad people. Podcast coming up just now. We're sitting here talking to Francois and Renier from Pocket Slip and um, Nedbank, respectively. And um, we have Simon Lips joining us uh, on, on the line. Simon, you there? Hey, Brett. I'm here. How are you doing? How's it going? Good, thanks for yourself. Good. If you can just get a bit closer to the mic. Um, for the listeners, Simon's actually on Skype, so we don't have him in the studio. Just give me a, how's it there again? Hey, is this better? Yeah, that's better, much better. Climb into the laptop. <laughs> Climb right in. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've, Simon, we've been talking to the guys um, about Pocket Slip, which is paperless receipts. Um, you know, it's, it's an app. Um, the merchants can give you a choice to, to get your receipt for your purchases um, you know, electronically, um, and I just thought it'd be great to have you on. Being someone who builds, and if I'm, stand me if I'm corrected, but one of the first magenta builders in the country, um, and specialising yeah, in, in building e-commerce, correct? Yeah, there we correct. go. So I thought let you, you know, let you and and maybe in France, I have a little bit of a an up and down chat, um, you know, as to how how this world has evolved for us. I mean, it's been an incredibly short period of time as well. So yeah, France, your, your mic's on as well. So you, please say how's it. How's it, man? Hey, how are you doing? So great in yourself. I, I caught the I caught the end of your of your chat, and there's one thing that I really agree with in that you guys are the specialists, and you should be helping the merchants. Um, I think that's a very valid point. I think there's so much to worry about when you're doing online transactions or when you're trying to sell something online. Um, you know, everyone is a social media marketing expert. Um, so it's, it is quite hard. It's difficult to know who to trust and what to do. But you do need specialists in every single different category or field in order to help you navigate what you've got to do, number one. Number two, you know, I love the idea of the pocket lists, of, of the, the slip, of the, sorry, excuse me, of the cash slips being in one place, being emailed to you. This is something that 
Apple have been doing in their stores around the world for years. Um, you know, anything you buy from Apple, the, the guy types it into his little iPhone in front of you, you swipe your card, you walk out of there, and the, the slip is emailed to you. I mean, you couldn't really ask for more. Absolutely, I fully agree. So, um, yeah, it's funny enough, iStore is one of the guys who, who will be rolling out locally. Um, but, but to your point, I mean, also with e-commerce, you know, every second guy and every second retailer is a specialist in selling things. But when it comes to the online marketplace, it's a whole different ballgame. And, and I think retailers need to partner with people such as yourself when delving into online. Um, you know, building up an e-commerce solution is quite different from seeing someone in person. And retailers who have embraced this and who've partnered with experts on the outside have gained far more traction than people trying to do it themselves in house and not necessarily having the experience or the background to do that. Yeah, we agree totally. Um, the, the one thing that I'm finding here is that there's a very small group of South African people that have e-commerce experience, and I'm talking more on the merchant side than on the on the supplier side. There's a very small amount of people who have good e-commerce experience. Obviously, with a huge South African diaspora, there's a whole lot of people living overseas who are coming back to South Africa. Um, you know, case in point, uh, David Gibbons, who set up Edcon's e-commerce, um, Simon Laver, who's doing uh, the Fashini Group's e-commerce. Those guys, are, it's great having them here and, and having the experience. But, you know, they're very few and far between. So we find that on the merchant side, there's the, they need a lot of help. There are a lot of people who are great at bricks and mortar retail but don't have the e-commerce experience required to, to make that jump to where they should be. So if I can jump in there for a sec, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you as, as well, and, and in fact, Francois mentioned it earlier, is that the tech side of building sites and the understanding and user side, as in from the consumer point of view, couldn't be further worlds apart if we tried um you know you with you being involved pretty much from day dot i mean when the the e-commerce site building requirements started you've obviously gone through a lot of pain and some school fees as well and we were just saying before you know before we went out to the break and and, and got you on on the show um it's very easy to make a mistake in this space you know you can sit as an entrepreneur and come up with a great idea you want to sell cool stuff online um how, take us through how that journey needs to look. I mean, that's where a company like yours comes to the fore, is that you, you have access to the different tools and the different backend. How do you guide through something like that? I mean, the 101 of getting the e-commerce site built and built right. So, look, the, the most important thing that we found, Jai, is just getting the merchant to understand what it is they want and for them to be able to express that to you. Um, you know, it's, we, we get... We get some briefs that say, well, there's a site we'd like it to be like that, but better. <laughs> yeah. um, Brett, Brett you know, and I are both smiling about, now because we've right. got those every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, now you get a brief like that, it's extremely scary because <laughs> it's, there's just no way to, to actually formulate what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, we, we find that, you know, the, the, the clients that we have that understand that they need help and ask for help are great. Um, we, we obviously, not everyone's like that. You have other clients that think they know what they're doing and they don't, and that obviously causes problems along the way. Um, we always make recommendations about bringing somebody in who's got this experience, um, be it from another South African e-commerce uh, merchant or from a provider, supplier, or somebody from overseas, 
it is very, very helpful. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The guys that we have in this country in retail are very, very good with, um, with bricks and mortar. Uh, I heard an analyst once say that you walk around any South African retail store and you could be anywhere in the world. Um, things change once you walk through the doors into the back. We, I don't think we as strong in systems and processes as some of the guys overseas are. But, you know, definitely with e-commerce, we're just not there. Um, it does cause problems. It's, it does make things a little bit harder. The, the thing is, you know, the, the nice thing about the Internet is you actually have a chance to make mistakes. Um, should you build a bricks-and-mortar store and you don't build a door um, and people can't get in, you have a huge problem. It's going to take you six months to <laughs> smash down a wall and build the door. No, not really, but you can just burn it down. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, with, with, with the internet, you, you know, if it's something quick, you can change it overnight and, and it's live the next day. So, yes, to a degree, it's where you can make mistakes, but you, you need the help. You need the handholding. You need somebody to explain to you how th- things work in this brave new world of digital. Yeah. And Simon, speak to here. Uh, just uh, during the the break, Francois and I were just uh, talking about how adoption and trust is sort of built in, in new tech as we go. I mean, a few years ago, credit cards came out. Not everybody sort of trusted their credit card. Everything had to be cash. Now everybody's using the credit card. Same with mobile, uh, e-commerce, or just e-commerce online. Um, people are sort of less – were quite uh, wary about where they're going to be using their information, whether or not they're going to pay for something they may never receive. Um, we're definitely seeing a change of that now. How are you seeing that? Are you seeing – pretty massive growth i mean as we all hearing or is it sort of going to be a sort of a sustained growth over time look i've got to tell you something i think i think the anecdotal evidence doesn't stack up um you know there's multiple sites in this country that are doing millions in turnover every single month um small sites that you wouldn't even have heard of that are doing four or five million rand a month in turnover um They've got to be selling it to somebody. I, I don't generally think that people are really, really as weary of credit card transactions as they make out. At the moment. Um, yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Or even for the last few years have they been. I, I do think that there is some latent leftover. I'm a bit worried about entering my credit card details online. But in general, the people that you expect to be shopping online are quite happy to put their credit card details in. You've also got to remember that a lot of these people that say, oh, I would never shop online, have bought airline tickets online. Yeah. They've paid for things online already. So I won't spend 500, you know, but I will spend 20,000 Rand on my air ticket. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and you're not worried about that. But, but you see that, and I think that's the thing with most people. Um, e commerce in South Africa is definitely growing hugely. Um, I know that uh, Worldwide Works puts it at about 30 to 35% year on year. I've got to tell you, I find it to be much higher than that. If you look at the wow. sites that we do, the growth from one year to the next is definitely more than 35%. Um, if you look at the fact that a lot of the major retailers, the major brands are, are building online stores now, um, it's making a lot more people feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, if you look at Edcon, it's a two-step process to link your Edgar's card to, to make purchases online with your account. That's fantastic. Um, so it's frictionless. No, yeah, nobody's got problems with that, and people are doing it. So, yes, I think as South Africans, we, we talk a good game and we complain a lot, but when it comes down to it, we, we're not as afraid as we, we make out, and we actually get on with it. Simon, it's Francho here. I've, uh, I've got an interesting question for you, um, something I wondered about for a while. 
Um, many bricks and mortar retailers are going the e-commerce route. And what I find in South Africa, and it's a question I want to pose to you, is how how hard is it for a bricks and mortar retailer to use these existing legacy systems in terms of stock levels and stock control? Because there's there's nothing more frustrating than going onto an e-commerce site and not knowing if the stock's available at the retailer. How, you know, is South Africa market ready for that? Um, do you find challenges? How do they do that? Look, I think most of the guys have worked out how to do it, um, and they use the existing systems. Um, the people that go through the pain are, are groups like Fonterra that have to do the integration between something that was built for bricks and mortar, and now you've got to pull information out of it and, and make it useful for e-commerce. Um, I think you know you are able to do it, and it doesn't make too much of a, of a difference. Um, you do run into problems when you're trying to fulfill from a single store. And that's more about um, your your user experience than the actual back-end systems. Uh, specifically, I'm talking about Woolworths, where you can go through and almost the end of the transaction, and when you're about to check out, they tell you, sorry, this isn't available, it's not in stock. Absolutely, where, where which is are. so frustrating um, as a user. Yeah, yeah you know, that, that's just user experience. I mean, Woolworths know at any second exactly how much stock they've got in any single store. Um, it's all about building the site in the right way so that you can communicate that to the user. I think they've made a mistake there and they haven't done it properly. I think if you look at other guys, they've managed to sort that out um, and they've mitigated the problems. If there's no stock in that store, they can ship it from a different store. They can ship from a central warehouse. Mm. Um, so I think in South Africa, guys are working out how to do it. You've got to remember South Africans are very, very enterprising. Um Rightly or wrongly, we, we tend to make a plan and, and get things going in the way that we want them to. Um, so legacy systems don't create too much of a problem, but it does create a lot of extra work for your provider. Yeah, one of those initiatives that we've well, I've seen as uh, a B2 here, and uh, one of the things we've seen is the, the client saying, well, if I don't have the stock, I'll just put uh, the e-commerce solution in my store, and I'll call it the endless aisle, and it'll be this catalog that is bigger than my shelves can handle. Uh, so I can still make the sale. And it's kind of the crib as South Africans do. We're like, I need to sell. And I don't care whether I've got it in front of me or if you want it in blue, I'll give it to you in blue. Um, are you seeing that as well with some of your bricks and mortar to online space? So not really. We we tend to work with our clients to go th- with things a little bit slower and actually work out exactly how to do it. Um, we're working with a, one of the major retailers in the country at the moment on a um, on an endless aisle system. Um it's uh, the aim is to make it more convenient for for the users for the customers because they have smaller stores all over the country which don't carry a full range it's not just about shoving things down people's throats it's more about look if you come into this branded store you would want to be able to buy anything including the stuff that we don't have in the store because it's too small to carry um you know there's ways to sort it out there's ways to do it i do agree that some people are just hey endless aisle here it is Get whatever you want. And, yeah. you know, the thought behind the logistics and user experience and that just hasn't been put into it the way that it should be. Um, but, you know, as South Africans, we're pretty good. We, I think we've really missed the e-commerce boat in general. Uh, I know e-commerce has been around in South Africa since 98, 99. Um, but as a mainstream activity, it's probably only the last few years that it's happening. But we, we're jumping straight into omnichannel. I yeah. think you'll find a lot of places have got endless aisles and click and collect services yeah. and things like that, which which allow you to to 
decide on which touch point you want to use as a, as a customer, as a user. Um, you'll find that there'll be a lot of fly-by-night people. Everyone will try to get in on the act in the beginning, and every brand will try and offer whatever they can possibly offer. And those will be rationalized over time, and people will realize that they've got to deliver on good service. It's not just you can buy anything you want if you, if you use the tablet in store, and then we'll find a way to get it to you. You've actually got to have the systems and the processes behind that to back it up. Yeah. Uh, just a follow-up question on that then. Uh, we always say at Big Brave that the uh, the digital solution doesn't replace human beings. There still has to be some sort of human inter- interaction, um, obviously with processes and stuff, that's obvious. But uh, there are times when sort of the silent salesman uh, takes plays a very big role in trying to close some additional sales. So your retail hours are 8 to 6, and then you've got your through-the-glass uh, interaction possibly. So people are able to shop now at the bricks-and-mortar while it's closed. So yes, it's nice to have human interactions as a double edged sword here, but um that through the glass is, is futurology looking at how retail is gonna take place in, in bricks and mortar, but also that make sure that you've got the human being there. People if they're gonna come to bricks and mortar, they don't want to keep touching screens. They want to have a salesman that's gonna smile at the, smile at them. Um, I'd like to see a salesman that just smiles. Or I'm that sorry. knows what they're talking about when they come up and ask you something. <laughs> uh, okay. But are are, they, are are your clients defining their strategy when they come to you or are you helping them with that? No, so we, we help them define the strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we've learned over the years. We, we've built about 140 different e-commerce websites on five different continents around the world. You you learn a lot of different things about how it works, and you actually start seeing the nuances that mm. are different between each country. Um, but it is very important, especially in South Africa, because it's new to a lot of people. Uh, somebody walks into the store and you hand them a tablet and say, well, we don't have this available online uh, in store, but you can find it online. Yeah. You can't just do that. You've got to make sure they know what they're doing. You've yeah. got to give them the option of whether you're going to find it for them or are they happy to do it for themselves. So sure. 100%, yes, you need that human interaction. You even just need somebody watching the orders come in and making sure that everything's done properly and overseeing it all. You could probably automate 99% of what you've got to do here. Um, you know, payment gateways work by themselves. Couriers get notified and come pick things up. Um, you could probably pick, pack, and ship the stuff without even having to get a, a human involved. But you don't want to do that. You want somebody overseeing things. There is obviously fraud that happens e- even with 3D Secure. You want somebody keeping an eye on it. Um, sure. You want somebody holding the customer's hand and helping them through things. You, think, you want people following up saying, did you get your very expensive item that was delivered to you yesterday? Are you yeah, happy sure. with it? Would you like to return? Renier's got to jump in here. Yeah, I think the bank's got a very nice term for that stuff like that is treating customers fairly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, that that's the human element. We forget that they're not machines. Yeah. They're people. We want to get their money, but let's help them spend it wisely. Well, we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago about AI. We were talking about all oh, this AI. You can automate everything and there's artificial intelligence that can deal with humans. But ultimately, there's that emotional question. People want to know that they're being handled and they're being handled correctly, fairly. Uh, if I'm going to spend money with you, I want to know that that is reciprocated with you, you value my money as much as I value your product. And you then you create a long-term value relationship with your customer irrespective of which product you use. If it's a banking relationship, if it's a pocket relationship, slip, yeah. it's an e-commerce environment. Yeah. And South Africans are loyal and trustworthy. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. So I, I've got to get close to wrapping up here. I think, you know, in, in a give us that elevator pitch, that proverbial elevator pitch. Guys are looking to go into e-commerce. You know, they can reach out to a company like yourselves, but what are the what's the checklist that they have to put in place before opening that door? 
Look, you've got to you've got to have the right people there, and you've got to have the right amount of people who can take on the responsibility into it. If you've never done e-commerce before, there's a lot of research that needs to go into it. You need to have everyone in your organization willing to accept the paradigm shift and start working to it because it affects every single part of the organization. Um, and you've got to identify and find the right people who can work this through and and help because at the end of the day, it's a huge change in your organization. And if you talk to anyone in management, executive, C-level, they all say the same thing. The biggest problem is change and managing change through an organization is a huge issue. Um, E-commerce brings a lot of change. Most of it is good, but uh, a lot of it gets resisted. That's awesome. And I agree with those sentiments. Um, Okay, well, thank you for, for joining us and uh, for the listeners. Thanks it's Fontera.com, F-O-N-T-E-R-A.com and Simon Lepps. So if you, if you are thinking about it, I mean, you're halfway there, but uh, there's definitely a long, a long way to go. And for the merchants that are already playing in that space, both brick and mortar and online, you know, we've got uh, the guys here from Pocket Slip as well. So please reach out to Francois. Um, Francois Renier, thank you for coming in today. Yeah, thanks um, for coming. Yo, B1, thanks, man. It's awesome. B2 is smiling better as well. So he is. He's very, told very, you, very, you, have you oh, seen? Oh, come on. Okay, so now you're really under the bus. Oh, Even geez, the guests are throwing you. So give us the, <laughs> give us the concluding uh, thought for the day. Well, as with most things in, in digital, experience seems to be the key. Uh, it's always about whether the experience was a good one or a bad one. And being able to rate that pass at the point of purchase is fantastic. So Pocket Slip is doing fantastic with that big data. Not only are you tracking individual transactions, but you're tracking markets as a trend, which is fantastic. Fonterra doing great stuff. Make sure the strategy is there for how your customers actually engage with your brand. Don't just stick a shop up and expect people to come. Yeah. Make sure that there's a great experience. It's one thing to put it up and have people shop, but it's one to have them come back. So digital is all about experiences. It's all about sharing. Um, make sure that that experience is able to last past the point of purchase. Fantastic. Simon, thank you. Renier, Renier throw it in Futurology. And banks. Bank. And at least banks, banks are trying to, to move into the innovation space. Yeah. And I think Agreed. we're breaking new boundaries. Agreed. People are realizing it. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks again. Thanks for your time and thanks for being here, Simon. Thanks, thanks Simon. for connecting. Thanks See for you later. Time. Cheers. And uh, until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. This is cliffcentral.com.